What happens when distinguished scientists and academics have paranormal encounters? Will mainstream science ever take the paranormal seriously? What are CIBs? Hello, and welcome to the 877th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and uh, this is our first live show of 2021. Uh, We're coming to you from WOON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app and from TalkStream Live and on TuneIn.com. I'm Ben, and those deep questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. Today, we bring you an old friend on a groundbreaking approach to our often neglected subject area. And if you'd like to join us on the air, you can give us a call, 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. You can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Coming to us via Skype today is Ray Hernandez. Uh, he is the organizer of the new Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, or CCRI, which in this neck of the woods means the Community College of Rhode Island. So we'll have to be uh, sort of specific about uh, that as we go. Uh, one of the uh, four co- He's also one of the four co-founders of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences, or FREE uh, for short. He is co-editor of the historic 820-page book titled Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. Uh, and here I have the Ponderous Tome, Volume 1. Anybody who's uh, watching uh, the video stream can see it there. and We'll display it as we go. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, oh, it's humongous, yes. And it's only Volume 1. Uh, he is co-editing the, the forthcoming book, A Greater Reality, in three volumes, which will extend the discussion to paranormal contact of other, with, with all other kinds of intelligences. A graduate of Rutgers University and a practicing attorney, Ray is a Ph.D. candidate at the University of California at Berkeley. He and his entire family are themselves experiencers. His websites include experiencer.org and consciousnessandcontact.org. So, Ray Hernandez, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Uh, thank you um, uh, for the warm and loving introduction from both of you. <laughs> well, we love you, Ray. We love you. They love you here in Rhode Island. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So it's 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 been a, been quite a while since you back on been back on. My my dad and I were just talking about it, and apparently it was 2012. Was that the last time? Eight years. Is that possible? Yeah, we had right? a lot of people from no, it, Free, it, it, and it could not have been 2012 because <laughs> um, Free was formed in in 2013, in August of 2013. Oh, okay. So, um, well, well, maybe our calendar's off, you know, or whatever. But okay. it's good to have you back in any case, no matter how long. A while. Yeah. Right. So let's. I guess we'll just kind of, kind of hop right into it. So please tell us about the five-year study Free did on experiencers and what were your findings. Okay. Um, as you uh, duly noted, um, I have an academic background. Um, my. Uh, um, Ph.D. candidacy at Berkeley was back in the late 80s uh, until about 1990. And then my ex-wife had a brain aneurysm, and I had to quit writing my dissertation. So it was never completed because I was basically working two full-time jobs, taking care of two little babies. Uh, my my now-deceased um, uh, ex-wife, who um, was severely ill, her mom, um, and um, and a sister that was still in high school. So, uh, needless to say, I was a frustrated uh, uh, wannabe academic. All I needed to do was to finish my dissertation. So, um, fast forward now to uh, 2012. Here I was, a total um, 
atheist, uh, materialist, uh, uh, with an academic background, and I had been working as an IRS tax attorney for uh, uh, for estate taxes. I only go after the multimillionaires now. Don't get scared. And um, and uh, I had zero knowledge nor interest in the paranormal, UFOs, near death experiences, out of body experiences, ghosts and spirits, etc. And then um, one uh, day, uh, my wife and I had um, an experience in our living room with an energy being that totally healed our dog, who we were going to be euthanizing later that afternoon. Uh, the dog was totally paralyzed. And my wife had been praying the night before, all night, because she was, uh, emphasis on the was, a devout uh, Catholic. <laughs> and... Um, and this energy being appeared. Uh, my wife disappeared in front of me with the dog. This energy being put me to sleep. And when I woke up, my wife reappeared. And the dog was running around fully healed in our living room. And then after that, uh, my wife began to see these very large UFOs very up close. And then she would call them down because she uh, viewed them as angels. Uh, and... Uh, and so she would go out and pray to, to communicate with her angels, and these huge UFOs would appear. <laughs> and then um, uh, and then, same thing happened with me. I tried to call down uh, a UFO to give it thanks, and uh, one huge, gigantic, uh, uh, let me switch to the term UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, because that's a much better description of it, uh, appeared. And um, eventually my daughter uh, got to see it. She was right there next to me and three friends, adult friends. And this object was literally right on top of my next-door neighbor's house, uh, 30 feet away from us. And that lasted, uh, that experience lasted about 45 to 50 minutes. And then began um, a three-year journey of having nonstop paranormal experiences. Uh, some with my wife, but primarily with me, and um, and some with my daughter. And so um, when uh, I did an ac uh, academic literature review, and uh, for those that might not be familiar with it, is what you do is you try to find out what has been written by PhD academics, what has been done um, scientifically or or uh, academic in general of the genre, and that was uh, people that are having uh, contact with uh, UFO-related non-human intelligence. And what I realized was that there was uh, no statistical studies at all. Um, there were a few very, very limited studies, um, uh, statistical studies. And then there were tons of um, anecdotal uh, research of case studies. You know, um, this person had a UFO contact, this other person had a UFO contact, uh, the works of Dr. John Mack, these were anecdotal case studies, uh, but there was nothing statistically uh, that was written about this phenomenon. And so um, I had an experience, um, I don't know how much detail I should go in, <laughs> into it, because these experiences are, are very detailed, but basically uh, I was brought to another reality and I was shown that all of uh, what I now call the contact modalities, which are um, all the different ways that humans are piercing the veil of our reality and having contact with non-human intelligence, i.e. near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, um, UAP-related contact, 
uh, ghosts and spirits, um, hallucinogenic journeys, remote viewing, etc., etc., that all of these experiences are interrelated and um, they should be studied as one phenomenon. And so, um, and immediately after that experience, <laughs> uh, I had three people who I'd never communicated before in my life contact me, basically, and that was uh, Mary Rodwell. Uh, she's one of the world's leading researchers on UFO contact experiences. And Dr. Rudy Shields, who uh, is an emeritus professor of astrophysics from Harvard University, they both contacted me. And then um, uh, I was told by Rudy Shields to contact Edgar Mitchell. So within basically 48 hours of me having this experience of being brought to the soul of reality, I was at the home of Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And then um, he, we, I was there uh, more than six hours. And it was at his home that this organization was, was founded. And, um, and so the, the initial intent of the organization was to um, get some statistical data on UFO contact experiencers because you cannot compare UFO contact experiencers with NDE experiencers or OBE experiencers. And in the uh, NDE uh, field, for example, there have literally have been hundreds of academic publications uh, but with the UFO contact experiences, uh, there was just uh, uh, two or three uh, uh, statistical studies, small statistical studies that have been that were done by academics in this field. So you didn't have enough data to be able to to do this comparison. So um, what we did is we organized a very large group of PhD academics together with um, the leading researchers, non-academic researchers in the field. The people literally had their boots on the ground. People like Kathleen Martin, who I'm assuming you've had on 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 numerous times. Oh yeah, and um, uh, we've had Barbara Lamb, uh, we had Dr. Leo Sprinkle, uh, we had Mary Rodwell from Australia, uh, Denise Stoner, who worked very closely with uh, with Kathleen Martin for many years, and uh, and then we had numerous PhD academics, and so. Um, we established a, um, a research group where we would get advice from um, the researchers, you know, the non-PhD researchers. But the people that drove the study were the PhD academics. Uh, there were three co-chairs. One was um, uh, Dr. John Klimo, who's one of the world's leading authorities on the paranormal. And he was a tenured professor um, uh, of psychology. And his main focus was on the paranormal uh, for over 40 years. And then uh, we had Dr. Bob Davis. Uh, Bob Davis was a, a retired uh, PhD uh, professor of neuroscience at the State University of New York for over 35 years. And obviously, Rudy Shields, uh, the uh, emeritus professor of astrophysics from Harvard. Uh, Edgar was part of that committee. We had a PhD statistician, Dr. Russell Scalpone. Um, Leo Sprin uh, Sprinkle was a PhD academic uh, from the University of Wyoming and several other individuals, uh, PhD uh, academics as well. And so we went about uh, this process of, you know, how do you begin to study something that's never been studied before? Um, and so what we developed uh, over a nine-month period, took us nine months uh, meeting once a month to go over uh, the research methodology. And what we developed was uh, three surveys. Two of them would be quantitative in nature, 
the quantitative questions totaled over 600 questions. And then we had 70 open-ended questions, qualitative uh, questions. And um, we developed a methodology of how to um, uh, uh, publicize the, the, these surveys. And, uh, and oh, we, we also had uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, mm. who I'm sure you, you've had on your radio show uh, numerous times before. Oh, she was a co-host, yeah. Co-host, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're talking the cream of the crop here, Paul, as you know. Uh, the researchers, but these are non-academic folks. But then we combined them with the academics, so we had the best of both worlds. And so um, um, we developed this methodology, and then we started implementing it. I know that Rosemary was announcing it on her radio shows. She had numerous radio shows. Um, Kathleen Martin, almost every week she appeared on a radio show. Uh, Mary Rodwell, Leo Sprinkle, Barbara Lamb. And then um, we sent it over to numerous emails. And then on a weekly basis, we would announce it to over 500 Facebook sites. And we did the survey in several languages. Uh, the two main languages were English and in Spanish. In the English language survey, we uh, had uh, uh, responses from over 4,250 individuals. That's a hell of a lot of responses. <laughs> um, and these are uh, oh, yeah. individuals from more than 100 countries. And so, um, and in the Spanish language survey, as a matter of fact, we had it from every Spanish-speaking country and um, um, over a thousand responses. So now we had data uh, of what this phenomenon was all about. And then um, subsequently we published it in our book, uh, Beyond UFOs, which is 820 pages, which is the maximum allowable <laughs> by, uh, by Amazon if you self-publish it. And we're giving away Chapter 1 and several of our chapters uh, for free. And Chapter 1 is uh, 120 pages, and it has uh, uh, much of our data publicized in Chapter 1. So if you want a free copy of Chapter 1 and several chapters, uh, send me an email at info at experiencer.org. I-N-F-O at experiencer.org. And I'll send you a free copy of uh, several chapters from our book. And so, we we were never uh, uh, we were never a ufology organization. That was never our interest. The interest of everyone, including all those people that I mentioned, uh, both the academics and the researchers, was on the bigger picture. And that is, you know, what is the nature of our reality? Because when uh, what we discovered in our survey and what these researchers knew, you know, people like. You know, Mary Rodwell, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, you, uh, Ben, and, 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 and your son, uh, uh, excuse me, Paul and, and Ben, um, all of you realize that it's all interrelated. You know, there's no, uh, the, we've been separating and bifurcating all of these experiences up until recently. Um, and so what we discovered, one of the major findings, was that these 4,250 individuals that took our surveys, uh, what they're having is primarily paranormal experiences. They have physically seen a UFO, like in my case. I've, I've, I've seen four very up-close UFOs. And, um, and, and I saw only one time a physical being, this energy being in my living room. But over a three-year period, it was nonstop paranormal experiences. And that's what we discovered in our survey, that the actual uh, phys uh, physicality of these experiences were quite minimal. But the paranormal experiences were like more than 95% of their type of experiences. So in general, people saw UFOs. They might have seen a few grays, 
uh, small gray beings or um, human-looking beings, um, uh, uh, but overwhelmingly their lives were paranormal lives. So let me give you just an example um, our, our, from our book. Uh, we had over 80% of the people saying that they were having out-of-body experiences. People that have seen ghosts and spirits, it was two-thirds of these individuals. Two out of every three people were seeing ghosts and spirits. And out of those, um, 60% were actually communicating, interacting with this deceased uh, uh, person. Uh, orbs, another 60% uh, have seen orbs, not via picture, but real live orbs and multiple colors. We had like 10 orb-related questions. You know, the orbs would materialize into a being right in front of them. Uh, it would be a being, and then it would uh, dematerialize into a, into an orb. Um, the orb would go through the walls, through windows. Um, uh, so that was another phenomenon. Uh, the uh, uh, near-death experiences, 37% of these people had near-death experiences. Um, um, being brought to other realities, like I was, uh, 50% of these individuals stated that, yes, they also were brought to uh, what we term coined a matrix reality, you know, uh, uh, which is not our physical 3D reality. And um, uh, healings, medical healings, just like our dog that I told you about, we asked that question. And uh, Preston Dennett, uh, I don't know whether you've had him on your show before. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, an important, important researcher in the UFO contact phenomenon. Uh, uh, Preston Dennett wrote a book maybe 25 years ago titled UFO Healings. And so I ran across that book. And so um, uh, all the members of our group said, yes, healings is a major part of this phenomenon. And so we asked a series of, of uh, medical heat-related type of healings. And lo and behold, 50% of the people that took our survey, yes, I had a medical healing as a result of my UFO contact uh, experiences. And, yeah. um, and uh, in our chapter, in our book, Chapter 6, uh, Preston Dennett, together with a retired physician, uh, Dr. Joseph Burks, uh, co-wrote a chapter on medical healings. So we had the best of both worlds. Preston, who had written a book 25 years ago, and then Joseph Burks, who's a retired medical doctor, wrote a, 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 a case study of, of 12 individuals that had uh, uh, these healings. And as a matter of fact, one was another medical doctor who described his medical healing uh, by these short grades. Um, so uh, we had tons of data, uh, and most of it... Uh, confirm the paranormal aspects of this phenomenon. Hmm. And uh, I could go into some of the additional research findings from that book, but I would like to focus some more of my time on the actual uh, Banu organization. Yes, exactly. And we also yeah. have questions from listeners at this point, too. So Okay. And, and so... Uh, and I'll, yeah. go, go ahead. Why don't we uh, sort of transition into this? Yeah, the, the CCRI. Let, me, let me transition yeah. into the CCRI. Okay. So the interest of all of these individuals in our group and... Um, and, and Paul, uh, before COVID struck us, uh, you attended two of these meetings. These were all PhD academics uh, from all diverse academic backgrounds, and we had some, you know, heavyweights in the group, as as, as you know. Mm. Uh, and and these were all people that understood that our reality is not what we think it is. <laughs> Most of them hypothesized that we live in a multi-dimensional reality. Most of them also hypothesize that uh, consciousness is primary and not our 3D uh, reality of what we think it is. And that all of these, uh, the contact modalities, all the diverse paranormal contact experiences uh, uh, are one, are one and should be studied as one. 
and um, most of them hypothesize that um, they're all interrelated because uh, each of these experiences involves what is called a manipulation of space-time, okay? And um, so time is being manipulated and space is being manipulated, you know, the fourth dimension of Albert Einstein, you know, space-time. And, um, and, and because of that, you, you can reach the hypothesis that we're dealing with something that's multidimensional in nature, okay? Now, in terms of what this might be, there are diverse hypotheses that are out there, but everyone in our group, as you know, Paul, they all says they all say we're totally clueless. We're just <laughs> yeah. pretty we pretty much in the infant stages of understanding, you know, what the hell is going on. Mm. And in terms of what is consciousness, what is the nature of our reality, again, everyone is like nobody freaking knows what the hell is consciousness, you know. Um, even the the academics that, that that's their profession, studying consciousness, either the neuroscientists or the philosophers of the mind folks. Or the uh, people that are studying simulated reality thesis, these uh, theoretical physicists, um, we're all in the same, you know, uh, level here. <laughs> we're totally freaking clueless. So, um, so th- that's why this new organization was started, and our focus is not so much on on the nature of consciousness and and the nature of our reality, but also focusing on the people that are having these paranormal contact experiences because. Many of the members of, in our group, and also Dr. Edgar Mitchell and Dr. Rui Shields uh, and myself, uh, we all hypothesize that it's the experiencers, the people that are having these uh, these paranormal experiences. They hold the, the the keys, the golden nuggets, to be able to open up that door, to be able to have a better understanding of the complexities of this phenomenon. And just to amplify, uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell was uh, the... Uh um, lunar module pilot on Apollo 14 and uh, walked on the moon and uh, he had a number of experiences that related to that that, that uh, he explained on the show one time and were really quite inspiring so uh, yeah I know I, I, I'm afraid that uh, maybe I and maybe John by, joined by Dr. Sean S. Bjorn Hargens are rather uh, thorns in the side of the committee uh, because we are constantly demanding new definitions for, for terms as we do on the show sometimes but it, yeah, that's, also, uh, also Gary Schwartz uh, he insisted I don't yes. like that term non-human intelligence I prefer consciousness intelligence yeah, 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 yeah. we're dealing with uh, a form of human that's not in our 3D reality so, so we're still working all that out yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't we get to um, a some uh, maybe some questions a little earlier? Well, why don't we we can take our break now, right? Uh, we can. That okay, is, that is entirely possible. Well, the the three beards here today. If you're watching on the video, <laughs> we can. Uh, we're going to take our, our mid show break more or less, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON twelve forty AM. 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley today with our amazing guest, uh, Ray, Ray Hernandez of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. And we'll be right back, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade. The finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Hi, I'm Dave Gobiel, the president of the Blackstone Valley Bilocal Group, supporting and promoting the independently owned businesses of our area. If you're not a member, I'd love a chance to sign you up. Message me at our Bilocal Blackstone Valley Facebook page, or go to buylocalbv.com. 
www.shopmercy.org if you wish to sign up today. Local and live at 99.5 FM. Can we get that mic? Okay. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, WOON 1240 AM, 99.5 FM with our great guest today, Ray Hernandez. And uh, let, let's go to a question from uh, our very faithful, I should stop using the word faithful, it makes, it makes him sound like a dog, uh, <laughs> of uh, Peter in Bogota, Colombia, who is a uh, very um, good questioner and sends in a question almost every week. Ben? I saw, I saw you trying to, trying to figure out a nice, a, a fun sort of superlative and it didn't really. Yes, well, uh, Peter, Peter uh, deserves many superlatives. Yes, yes, indeed. So Peter writes to us. Uh, Please ask Gray if he has made any interesting discoveries regarding uh, alleged alien abductions or alien implants. I guess in the context of the survey. Correct. You want me to answer that? <laughs> it's, it's, you uh, can go right ahead and answer that. Yes. This is a very complex topic. We, we could easily take the next half hour to do it, but basically. Um, Alien abductions, uh, uh, we discovered that one-third of the people actually had an abduction experience. Um, the UF, uh, U- ufology basically uh, refers to this field of UFO-related contact as abduction studies. That's to show you how off the charts they are. They're totally clueless. Um, and even my, my friend, Whitley Schrieber, referred me to uh, Ray Hernandez, who did this five-year academic study on alien abductions. You know? mm. So uh, it's, it's actually one-third of these experiences. Out of those one-third that, that have had abduction experiences, uh, 70% of these people now call themselves contactees. In initially, uh, 37% of these uh, individuals that took our surveys uh, viewed the, their experiences as highly negative. But then over many years and after many, many experiences, uh, only 4% viewed these experiences as highly negative. Okay, So um, this whole field of alien abductions is a, is a misnomer because there was no data associated with it. Now we know that... Uh, uh, what is happening uh, is basically people are having these physical inspections, uh, these medical checkups, for lack of a better word. And uh, But then, over time, um, that medical checkup uh, changes to, uh, towards the very end, to more like spiritually related type of education, uh, learning tools. And um, uh, they're no longer done by the short grays. Uh, the people that uh, that are having these experiences are either with energy beings or with human-looking beings. And um, so uh, uh, initially, a lot of these experiences were with the short grays, but then over time, it, it transitioned to uh, human-looking or energy type of beings. And it instead of focusing on the medical aspects of it, then it focused more on teachings and um and, and I could, uh, it's all stated in our uh, uh, chapter one. So if you want to learn more about it, <clears throat> um, go to chapter one. Uh, 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 and you can get a free copy. At, send me an email. Um, Hector, I forgot what his name was. Um, you could send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at experiencer.org. Okay. Now, we have a question from Lauren in Connecticut. Ben, if you would do the honor. Sure. So, Lauren writes to us, Hi, Paul and Ben. Happy New Year, and thank you once again for bringing an interesting guest onto the show. Uh, does Mr. Hernandez and his wife have any thoughts, ideas, or sense of how light in their uh, contact and experiences, or 
how in light of their contact and experiences, people people's contact experiences fit in the overall overall idea of divine intelligence, especially since his former uh, or his wife is a former devout Catholic. Yes, I mean this is all about uh, a universal mind or divine intelligence. Uh, roughly eighty five percent of the people that took our survey. Uh, stated that this was all about spirituality, that it was about, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, God. <laughs> um, um, but uh, my wife uh, um, changed uh, substantially. Before uh, our experiences, we had to go to Mass every Sunday. Every Thursday was a group prayer meeting. And if I didn't go with her, uh, there was no dinner for the rest of the week. <laughs> now, well, she, once every, see who's boss there. Mm. She's definitely the boss. And now it's, you know, once every four or five months, you know, we go to Mass um, because she's uh, grew up with the church, with the Catholic Church. And uh, no more of these Thursday uh, spiritual retreats. Um, and she's uh, now become much more deeply spiritual. Uh, we're at home. You know, she would hug trees, little animals. She wouldn't... Uh, we wouldn't kill any bugs in our house. We would throw them out. She would talk to trees. She would talk to little animals. Uh, our pets, you know, they have their own divine spirit. Um, you know, money's not important anymore. Um, she no longer fears, uh, you know, uh, the afterlife, you know, death or whatever. Um, it's a total spiritual transformation. And that's what we found out, that 90% of these people uh, underwent a... Um, uh, a massive transformation of their personality profile, and it's all centered around you know the afterlife and spirituality. That's what we discovered. That this phenomenon really is at the the bottom line to all of this. It's an awakening of humanity uh, towards our multi-dimensional reality. Hmm. Well, I must say this is Lauren's lucky day. Uh, usually she gets left back in the line there, but uh, another one just popped in as I happen to be looking at it. Uh, additional question for Ray sure, from Lauren thing. in Connecticut. So Lauren writes to us, just another, uh, th- just thought of another question. Has Mr. Han- Hernandez collaborated at all with Sherry and Linda Costa, or Cheryl and Linda Costa, I should say, and the data that they've gathered? Uh, how does his data fit with theirs? Uh, my thought is that the Costa's data is more hard uh, and scientific, whereas Ray's is more esoteric, uh, for a lack of better words to describe it. I wondered how the hard data and esoteric data uh, complement and cooperate each other or or fit together. Well, if you're talking about four PhD physicists in our organization as esoteric, I think that's the appro- not the appropriate terminology. Also, I know Cheryl. Um, she's not an academic. Uh, her study was just basically uh, uh, acquiring data on um, the physicalism of, of UFOs. <clears throat> Our focus is not on uh, the materialist UFO phenomenon. Uh, we believe that that paradigm has contributed almost nothing to a better understanding of this phenomenon um, since 1947 when UFOs became a household word in the United States. So, <clears throat> you know, seeing little UFOs in the sky, seeing, uh, reviewing pictures and videos, what has that contributed? Uh, the perspective of all the members of our organization uh, is very little. <clears throat> so acquiring one more date of another person that saw a UFO in the sky, where they saw it, that's not going to contribute anything. But if you take a look and if you actually read Chapter 1 of our study, you'll see that this was not esoteric. This was data-driven. Okay, This is academic, PhD-level scientific research. 
that has nothing to do with esoteric type of research. Um, esoteric type of research uh, is um, Corey Good and David Wilcox. <laughs> okay, those yeah. people are not. Those are not researchers. Those are not academics. Um, those are BS artists uh, uh, putting forward, you know, esoteric type of uh, presentations. So, um, uh, Cheryl, I, I believe you uh, forgot her name. Uh, but, uh, uh, Cheryl Costa, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, 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 for the lady that sent in the... the uh, oh, that's Lauren. Lauren, Lauren. Yes. I would highly recommend that you... Uh, request a copy of our uh, research study, Chapter 1, 120 pages. We'll gladly send it to you in a PDF format. Uh, it's info at experiencer.org. And after you read that chapter, you will see that this 110% is not esoteric uh, uh, presentation. This is actually academic, scientific research. Okay, and before we proceed, I wanted to mention that, that uh, Dr. John Klimo, whose name has come up in a discussion today, uh, was supposed to have been our guest today, but he had a, a, a non-COVID-related medical issue, and, and we asked for, uh, he's okay, but we asked for uh, everyone's prayers and, and good thoughts for him, and thank uh, Ray for uh, very graciously uh, filling in at the last yes. minute. So uh, Coming yes, in at the so 11th hour. Yes, yeah, John, John was one of the pillars of... Um, of both organizations, of both the um, Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation and the CCRI Foundation. And um, he, uh, in terms of that last uh, questioner, uh, John has published over 100 peer-reviewed uh, publications. And uh, he's most well-known for uh, doing uh, the leading academic research study on channeling. Uh, his book titled Channeling was translated to 18 languages. And so, um, so definitely this is not esoteric, uh, uh, literature. <laughs> this is trying to understand the paranormal in an academic and scientific way. Now, these hardcore materialist ufologists who, uh, totally dismiss, uh, all aspects of contact, totally dismiss all aspects of the paranormal, those people are totally clueless. They're, they're actually should be labeled as these esoteric researchers because they've contributed very little with that type of, uh, hardcore materialist approach. Well, now, Ray, let's uh, get a question of our own in here uh, in reference to both free and CCRI, which in the, uh, I'll just emphasize to our local audience is the, the uh, Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, not the Community College of Rhode Island. Uh, we, uh, what have been what have been the reactions of academic colleagues uh, to the people who are who, who are really you know, when, when I when I'm in the committee meetings even on the Zoom call I can smell the the the, uh, the ozone and the wires burning from all the brain power but uh, uh, we have a number of distinguished people how, how do their ac academic colleagues react to their involvement in such a study because there's still a lot of stodginess out there. And, uh, the materialistic. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rudy, uh, the, the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics literally has hundreds of these PhD academics studying astrophysics. Um, and, and Rudy, uh, and a lot of them come in and out as postdoctoral research fellows, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, Rudy is like the crazy old man, you know, of the group. Um, <laughs> the, there's only one person, uh, that's associated with the, uh, with that organization that is a member of the Society for Scientific Exploration uh, outside of Rudy. So uh, um, John Klima was also seen as the crazy madman, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even though he's involved with um, 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 with a group of individuals and, and Dr. Sean uh, Hargan's uh, uh, 
um, was affiliated with that group that they're teaching transpersonal psychology. And so even within transpersonal psychology, as, as you well know, uh, uh, Paul and Ben, uh, there's very few of those folks that are, uh, are focused on the, on the parapsychological aspects of it that uh, gravitate towards the contact aspect of it, as, uh, let alone the UFOs. Yes. Um, uh, Dr. Kenneth Ring, one of the leading um, pioneers of near-death experiences, Dr. Raymond Moody, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, and also um, Dr. Uh, Jeffrey Long, uh, three of these individuals did not want to touch the, the field of ufology with a 10-foot pole, okay? So when they first were interacting with me, they were like, you know, I don't even want to talk to this this, this person. You know, <laughs> you oppose. That's you know, that's uh, 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 it's a it's a totally taboo topic, even for these people that are studying NDEs. Okay, but then once I was able to pin them down and actually talk to them, and uh, they got to understand, wow, you know, this is much much more com- complex because this is not, you know, seeing UFOs in the sky. You know, people with tinfoil hats on. This is something. Related to what 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 our research in in the UFO uh, excuse me the NDE contact phenomenon, because they saw the parallels, and so uh, Kenneth Ring eventually became a friend of our organization. Raymond Moody, we actually went out to Alabama to interview him, and he and he was right in line, you know, saying that it's all interrelated. And Jeffrey Long, as you know, uh, Paul, is the co-chair of our organization mm-hmm. with with Rudy Shields, and this is one of the the top four or five leading researchers of the NDE contact phenomenon. So, but again, uh, uh, to answer your question uh, in a more succinct way, we are all um, uh, uh, taboo within our own fields, uh, all of the academics in our group. Uh, we're still uh, a small fringe. Um, and then once you add the taboo that all of these organizations of the International Association of Near-Death Studies or or MUFON and all these materialist ufologists, okay, um, they won't even consider, you know, the topic of contact or the paranormal associated with the phenomenon. So it, it even adds an additional layer of separation with what we're doing. Um, but as you know, uh, uh, Paul and Ben, our, our approach is, uh, is, is the correct approach <laughs> because we're un- uh, understanding how it's all interrelated and we're understanding um, the whole multi-dimensional aspects of this phenomenon. So, um, like any old paradigm, you know, it's going to lead and transition into a new paradigm, and we believe that we're establishing the new paradigm right now. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's well put, uh, Ben. Well, I think in a, in a relatively short amount of time, um, in academic senses at least, we've we've managed to have the paradigm shift in our our sort of collective field at least a handful of times right i mean you go from you know nuts and bolts craft to sort of more more of a of a instead of a, a phenomena centered approach to an experience centered approach which in my opinion i really enjoy and un- unfortunately as with any any other sort of serious field of study you know you're going to have people with confirmation bias that that's just a given th- throughout any any sort of field of study because someone walks in with an idea and they say oh, I'm going to prove it and that's just kind of that it's going to be everywhere unfortunately and one of one of the most interesting things that I've seen come out of the of, of all all of your your work Ray is is it's I think it's sort of for lack of better words tapped into a a sort of and, and sort of 
made its way into a lot of a lot of people around us is sort of worldview, right? Over the last sort of ten years, we've seen um, more more in the ufology field people focusing more on the experience, or people coming out as experiencers, support groups appearing with with you know sort of focusing on the the effects of the experience, whether positive or negative, or turning a negative into a positive, because I, I think the the major sort of win here is oh. This affects people. It's not just some sort of event that kind of just happens and you sit there and it happens to you. It has long-lasting effects, you know. And I think one of the one of the fascinating things that's come out of it is sort of the definition of experiencer has changed. And that leads me to this question, which is how would you define an experiencer? Okay. Um, our definition of experiencer was quite broad. Uh, because the way that term had, had been used in materialist ufology was primarily associated with someone that's had a UFO-related abduction experience. Mm. Okay? Um, what we discovered in our survey was that that's only one-third of the people, and even then the people that did have abduction experiences, it, they underwent this complete uh, profound uh, change, and their experiences changed. It started off as a you know, perceived abduction experience. But then later on, uh, uh, it, it, their perception of the experience changed and their experiences changed. So experience, if I would give a broad definition of it, well, would be any individuals that's had um, any form of contact with uh, non-human intelligence. Now, non-human intelligence, I'm not referring to um, um, uh, 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 ghosts and spirits as being non-humans. No, what I'm saying is uh, a, a human is a, a person living in this 3D reality that's alive and kicking, okay, in, in on planet Earth. Um, so it's any other type of conscious intelligence that, that people, uh, that's not human, that people are interacting with. And that can come via different vehicles. For example, it could come via uh, the modality of you taking DMT, you know, or ayahuasca. Or psilocybin. These are hallucinogenic journeys, and that that's now being fully documented at numerous universities uh, around the world. Uh, it can come via ghosts, perceived ghosts, spirits. Can come via um, a channeling session when people are getting downloads from some type of non-human intelligence, and uh, an interaction and dialogue begins. It, it can be via near-death experience. Uh, which uh, we're all familiar with, or via an out-of-body experience, uh, when their consciousness uh, uh, goes out of their body and people are journeying to different uh, realms and having uh, contact experiences with uh, with uh, conscious intelligences. And it also can come via UFO-related contact experiences. Now, these UFO-related contact experiences, most people associate them, first of all, with the short rays. And the short rays is not the number one type of being that people are encountering, okay? It's actually the energy beings. That's number one. The human-looking beings were number two, and then followed by the short graves, okay? So, um, and and then we actually documented 12 different types of beings, or the 12 uh, most documented type of beings. But in terms of uh, these beings, physical beings, we literally had hundreds of different types of beings that people were interacting with. So um, that leads you to the uh, uh, the hypothesis. Are these actual, uh, uh, um, um, for example, 
a lot of people have seen six-foot owls. So is this a six-foot owl from the six-foot owl constellation, you know, planet, you know? Mm. Or, or is it something else, something a little bit more, you know, dynamic, a little bit more complicated? Um, is this um, a reptilian being, really an actual reptilian uh, from this reptilian constellation? And there's literally hundreds of different types of diverse reptilians that people are seeing. Are there really a hundred different planets out there with different reptilians? Or is it something a little bit more complicated? Same thing with the greys. Uh, the greys are described in so many different colors, so many different sizes, so many different sh shaped heads, uh, eyes. Uh, it's not what, what people perceive it to be on, on the internet. Even then, it's all diverse to begin with. Mm. So, uh, uh, so, and, but, but what I'm saying is also the more common type of contact that the people were having were not even the physical contact. They've had the physical contact with those so-called beings. But more than anything, it's uh, non-physical contact, like downloads and communications and hearing voices uh, 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 with some type of conscious intelligence. This is after their experience, their physical experiences occur. Uh, it usually occurs uh, 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 for the abductees via an abduction scenario. For these other individuals, there are numerous types of uh, experiences that, that might trigger these events. But some people... Uh, have these events as, as a child, uh, these paranormal experiences as a child, and then lead on to a lifetime of contact experiences. One of them, um, you, uh, Paul, you need to get on the radio show, which is uh, uh, one of the academics in, in, in our group, uh, Dr. Bruce uh, Solheim. He's a lifetime oh, experiencer. Consider and, it done. Uh, yeah, and yeah. he's a um, member of our organization, and um, he doesn't research this phenomenon, but he is a Ph.D. That's also a major experiencer. And Dr. Uh, Michael Grosso, another Ph.D., and, and a major experiencer as well that a lot of people don't know about. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would say um, uh, roughly a third of the people in our, our academics in our organization are experiencers. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Raul Barberde, now I can go publicly with it because I interviewed him <laughs> to be put on our website, and he talked about his experiences. Um, and it started with getting a voice, you know, a very detailed in, uh, information, instructions, and that, that that type of voice communication occurs to today. So, um, so contact comes in all forms, shapes, and sizes. And so as an experiencer, if you had any of these types of contact with non-human intelligence, whether it's physical or non-physical, that's the term that we're using uh, for an experiencer. Okay. Now, as uh, Free continues its work, <clears throat> the uh, Consciousness and Contact Research Institute is uh, getting off the ground and will uh, push the envelope as far as uh, kinds of contact, kinds of entities, kinds of beings. And a new book is forthcoming. Yes. First of all, the, the Dr. Mitchell Free Foundation has been terminated. <laughs> oh, it has? Because, okay. Yes, that no longer exists. And the reason for that was that people were seeing that organization as a UFO organization. Okay. okay. That was not our intention. You know, we wanted to be able to study the UFO contact phenomenon in order for us to be able to compare and contrast hmm. with the other contact. Oh, okay. I'm only okay. on the committee. What, what the heck do I know? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because we're focusing on CCRI. We haven't been focusing on, right, right, on right. The, yeah. the free data. So that topic was never touched. So now the CCRI, as you know, uh, Paul and Ben, is to focus on the bigger picture of the contact modalities. Mm -hmm. And so the, this new book is titled um, A Greater Reality, colon, The New 
paradigm of non-local consciousness, the paranormal, and the contact modalities. Okay. Now, the paranormal, we threw it in there because if we didn't have that term, no one would know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Non-local <laughs> consciousness, the contact modalities, you know, what the hell are those things? But if they read paranormal, then it's like, whoa, now I understand. This book is about the paranormal. Mm, so words. what we want to be able to do is to have articles, uh, mixed articles. It will be one article by an experiencer, an article by an academic, an article by experiencer, an article uh, by an academic, um, uh, alternating. And the experiencers, we're trying to get individuals that have had diverse types of uh, uh, experiences with the contact modalities. Uh, we're starting off our book with Dr. Melinda Greer, who's uh, an advisor to our group. And this is a medical doctor, a physician, uh, works in a children's hospital, you know, saving, you know, thousands of lives of children over her many, many years. She's my age. Absolutely brilliant woman. But the most interesting part is that she's had tons of diverse experiences. She has had 12 UFO sightings. Most of them are very up close UFO sightings. Okay. She's had three Sasquatch experiences, two of them up close within feet of her. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, she's had two near death experiences. The last one was absolutely mind blowing. The, her description of that last NDE. She's had two out-of-body experiences. Uh, after her last NDE, she began to seeing these deceased people in her hospital. Okay, so uh, she's a prime example that should you should not be studying this phenomenon from the single lens of a materialist ufology, looking at uh, at lights in the sky and pictures and photos, you know, and putting together these compendium books, you know, about UFOs seen in the sky, you know. What the hell is that going to give you, okay? But if you study Dr. Melinda Greer and literally thousands of people like Melinda Greer, you'll have a better example uh, uh, to, uh, of, of what might be the triggers uh, to this event, that these experiences start as a child, how they developed over time, and how they're all interrelated. Is there like a, a, a universal uh, um, theme associated to all of these experiences, okay? So um, the... the uh, and we're going to be having many people like Dr. Melinda Greer, experiencers that are having multiple types of contact experiences. Okay. And then we, the academics are going to be talking about, you know, models, you know, uh, what might possibly explain this. Uh, Sean has submitted a paper. We has uh, <coughs> he has a model that might explain this. Rudy has a model. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, before he passed away, he had a model that might explain, you know, how all this is all interrelated. And um, so we, what we're trying to do with this book is to raise the dialogue that, look, all of this is interrelated. This yeah. is not about physicalism or materialism. This is, like our, as our title says, a greater reality. Okay? Exactly, yeah. Now, unfortunately, most of these uh, people in these other fields of, you know, UFOs, of near-death experiences, whatever, most of them are still totally clueless to what we're talking about, okay? Yeah. Because... The NDE folks is just it's just NDEs. What the hell does NDEs have to do with UFOs? What does it have to do with people that are going out of their bodies? You know, OBE experiences all the time. No, no, this is NDEs. And with the materialist ufologists, it's even worse. You know, um, uh, because they they just have no conception of the paranormal aspects of the phenomenon. Uh, I'm not saying all of them, okay, but many of them, and they do not associate this via the experiencers. Yeah, That's not Ray, we're, we're just about out of time, but uh, 
Tremendous. Give us the websites again and your email address where people can get Chapter 1. Yes, and, and I'll send you Chapter 1, and I'll also send you information about CCRI, what is the mission of CCRI, what we hope to accomplish, and information about our new book. So the uh, email is info at experiencer.org, I-N-F-O at experiencer.org. Uh, we have two websites that are currently under development, and they'll be released on April 15th once uh, we release our new book. Okay. So uh, get on our mailing list, and we'll let you know when our book is out. We'll give you uh, some chapters for free for our new book, so you can read those, and if you like it, you can order the book. Very good. Ray Hernandez, we're always in touch uh, off the air, so we'll talk to you soon, and thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you so much for uh, the opportunity, and and God bless Dr. John Climo and, and prayers mm. for his recovery. Yes. yes, yes, indeed. Okay, Ben, take away our announcements. Sure thing. Uh, so, the eternal optimists that we are, uh, we hope to speak at the New England Parafest uh, on April 10th and 11th uh, in Kittery, Maine, and plan to do a live broadcast of the show with a panel of the speakers uh, from there on Sunday the 11th. And, in fact, we heard from Tom Spitaleri, the organizer, on New Year's Eve that the event is still on. Uh, more information will be forthcoming. So we'll hope for the best. Uh, we're working on a new book with Shane Searway and Alexander Petikoff that will be out uh, later this year, uh, Behind the Paranormal 3, Uneasy Skies, based on our own UFO experiences and those of our show guests over the years. We'll get some people from uh, uh, CCRI in there as well. Indeed. Uh, you can check out our current books along with those uh, of our co-hosts and at our show website. That's BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can also find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, how to book us, along with our 900-plus free recorded shows from our 12-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Uh, we now have shows uh, reloaded to uh, the BehindTheParanormal.com website uh, back to 20, the, the end of 2015. Uh, we had all kinds of technical things that seemed finally to have been resolved after, after a year and a half. Yeah, miracles <clears throat> can happen. Yes, indeed. And if you can't find them there, uh, they're available on all the major podcast platforms and apps, including iTunes, etc. So check all those out. Okay, so Ben, what do we have for next week? So next week, that's uh, January 10th. Well, welcome back, a guest that we have, haven't hosted in eight years, uh, author and broadcaster Dave Kane, who will fill us in on new information related to ongoing contact with his son, the youngest victim of the 2003 Station Nightclub fire here in Rhode Island. Uh, you can get your questions to paul at behindtheparanormal.com, uh, or if you want to shoot Shane a question completely unrelated, that's Shane Searway, uh, that's Shane, S-I-R-O-I-S, at gmail.com. Uh, we leave you today with a thought attributed to several sources, including the medieval Jewish philosopher Maimonides. Give a man a fish, and you feed him for a day. Teach him to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of... Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.